0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. A little different morning than we had last week. Uh, We had a beautiful week of weather over these last uh, last few days here. And... uh, it kind of changed on us, got a little cooler. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking open water was coming. Then then we saw the this cold weather that was coming. We said we'd see a, a continuation of ice fishing. And I think we're going to get a little of all of that. We'll talk about the fishing opportunities and what's been going on. Uh, I think ice fishing on the front range is probably going away, even with this cold weather. But we'll talk about that later in the show, and we'll talk about some open water fishing. We're also uh going to have our dog training segment today and uh, we're going to talk about how old is too old to start training a bird dog. So you might want to tune in for that in the second hour. We've got a lot of uh information about the International Sportsman's Exposition. Uh over the next few weeks, uh, it's back. I believe it's March 24th through the 27th and uh we're going to give away tickets the next four Saturdays to that show, so you want to pay attention. There'll be, we'll put out opportunities where you can win tickets to go to the show, and we'll, we'll have them and we'll call for you. And we're also going to feature a lot of people from ISE to tell you what you're going to see when you get there. Now, before we get to that, there is a couple announcements I do want to make. The first one is uh, bass angler uh, Bill Wilson. He's been involved in the community for, gosh, decades. Uh, he's an avid angler, a tournament angler. He's also been the uh, the director of the Cast for Kids program. I think he's been involved for over 25 years with that and uh, just gives his time to the community. Well, he's being recognized at the Bassmaster Classic later today. He's going to be presented with the Humanitarian of the Year Award from BASS for his work in the community. He's also, this year, going to be presented with the Ranger Brendan Unit uh, Award from uh, Larimer County. So we're just so proud of Bill. If you'd like to tune in to the Bassmaster, uh, I believe it's before the weigh and It's at 350, and it's going to be on the streaming. I don't know if it's going to be on the broadcast or not. But if you go to my uh, Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, there are links to everything that's going on with Bill, and he gets his awards today—about three fifty. Such a deserving human being, a great man. We'll get him on later in the year and talk more about cast for kids too. Right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us, uh, she's going to be running uh, one of the theaters at the upcoming I, uh, ISE show, and that's a Dahlia Singer. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, thanks for coming on. You know, we have uh, three different theaters this year. The show is a little different. Uh, We have our fishing theater, which my wife Karen and I will be hosting with conventional-type fishing presentations going on. We have the adventure theater, which is mostly hunting and fly fishing. But then over the last three years, we've always had a um, third theater, and that's the campfire theater. And they chose somebody really special to run that theater. You're a, you're an award winning, uh, outdoor journalist. You're just a caring person in the community. You're so involved with people in the outdoors. Uh, so tell us a little bit. What is the Campfire Theater?
1: Well, thanks for for being so nice to me. Um, The Campfire Theater is kind of everything else beyond those other theaters that you just talked about. So we host talks on short talks, really conversational on everything from camping to camping and outdoor gear um, to how to get outdoors with your kids to off-roading, all those different things. And and we have um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Folks there leading those, we have local experts, we have local journalists uh, like myself doing those, the people who are out there experiencing this, kind of sharing their tips and tricks and ideas to give people kind of even more access to the beautiful outdoors here in our state.
0: Well, you know, with COVID over the last couple of years, if you go back, just rewind two years, and there was no youth sports, no professional sports, you couldn't go to a movie theater out for dinner, you couldn't even, most trips were canceled. People were hesitant to get out in public. And some things you couldn't do even if you wanted to, concerts and things. And people turned, a lot of people turned back to the outdoors, but a lot of new people turned to the outdoors for the first time. And one of the things I found in my experience uh, trying to recruit people into what values the outdoor brings is that it's much more difficult to get an adult into the outdoors that didn't experience it as a child. But a lot of them are trying. And it sounds like this campfire theater is just the perfect thing for them.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, camping, hiking, everything got so much more popular, even more so than it already was here, because it was a way to space out from people to get out of your house. And I think the campfire Theater is this beautiful opportunity because you can be super experienced and get some new ideas of where to go, or you can be starting out and just get some good advice and hear from someone one-on-one, kind of, and not feel like you have a silly question and you can ask that person who really knows what they're talking about. Like, I've never done this. Where should I go? Or especially the talks that are about getting outside with your kids, whether it's camping or adventuring, people love those because our speakers talk a lot about the mishaps they've had, that these things are going to happen, and and here's some advice on how to avoid it or how to deal with it. And I think people really appreciate that relatability and that it's not uh, getting outside isn't about having some perfect experience, right? It's just about getting outside and doing it. And so that kind of one-on-one feeling in the middle of this massive expo is a really cool experience.
0: Well, I've always been of the opinion that if something does happen, as long as it's not tragic, nobody gets hurt or anything like that, that mishaps and misadventures actually create more memories because you remember that day it rained and washed the tent away more than just a day camping because you you create those memories back in there. I'll share something with you that uh, American Sports Angling Association, this goes back about a decade, and this is well before covid did a survey of adults over the age of 40 and they asked them what was their favorite memory growing up. Now obviously we were a little different culture back then, but 52% it was an outdoor activity, it was camping, hiking, fishing or hunting. The next highest category was a sporting event and that was 18%. There's something special about being in the outdoors will you create memories and bonding. You don't have to ask your kids about life. You're going to talk to them. You get rid of the screens. There's going to, you just, you experience things in nature that bring such value to your life. Don't you agree with that?
1: Oh, I a hundred percent agree. And I have not heard that statistic. That's amazing. But yeah, I think, you know, you do put the screens away, you do get that fresh air, you do get this kind of new experience. Even if you've camped before, even if you've hiked before, you're somewhere different or some, some different thing happening. Whether, you know, last summer we were camping and we drove past the campsite accidentally and we saw a moose. So, I mean, just such amazing, um, memorable experiences, as you said, happen. And the more that we can help people get outside and do it responsibly for the environment, responsibly for themselves, find new activities and new places. um, You know, I I just appreciate having that opportunity because I think we all benefit
2: from it. Now,
0: I'm going to read, this is a list that I was sent by ISE, but I understand you're still finalizing all the speakers and the best way to get the true speakers this year will be to go to the website of International Sportsman's Expo, but it'll give people a flavor of the type of topics that you're going to talk about. We have best tent, tent camping and Colorado's best camping spots. Camping with kids. How to cook good food when camping. That's always fun. Van life. You know, a lot of people are going to these conversion vans instead of a tent or a, an RV. Avoiding crowds on your next adventure. You know, we all like to get outdoors sometimes to get away from everything. Off roading, motorized exploration. Uh, get outside with your kids. So I couldn't be a bigger supporter of that. And, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain National Park. I don't know if that'll be one this year, but it says, but have you been to other Colorado's other state parks? And then beyond tents, Colorado Creative Camping. And I know when you and I talked, you talked about the no tent camping, the creative camping. Tell me a little more about that.
1: Yeah, that one I'm really excited about. Um, I don't know what what you enjoy doing, But, you know, there's tent camping, there's backpacking, and then sleeping in your tent, but there's so many more places that you can get to now, like yurts, um, Conestoga wagons, um, some of the old fire towers they've converted where you can rent them. And so I think it's kind of, it's not quite glamping, um, which is its whole own category and so popular right now, but it's kind of a way to have a slightly more comfortable, um, out of the elements a little bit camping and not having to carry your tent and things like that and pack all that and just try something new and sleep somewhere different. And I think it can be a really great way, especially with your if you're going with kids, um, to get them outside without the whole sleeping on the ground thing. Or maybe you have a, a husband or wife who doesn't like sleeping on the ground. So there's some cool stuff out there. And we have um, a great local travel expert who's going to be leading that talk. She also has kids and has done some of these trips with her kids. So there will be a little of that flavor too. But yeah, just a different, again, trying to explore different ways for people to experience the outdoors.
0: Well, you know, you're going to be right next to state parks at the ISE show. And I don't know if people realize the number of cabins and yurts that they rent out at very reasonable prices, everything from pretty luxurious multi-room cabins to single room cabins and yurts that You know, you have a little bit of a solar light and stuff, but like you said, you get out of the elements. So there really are a lot of ways to enjoy Colorado in the outdoors. I'll make sure I come down and stop by the theater and talk to you while you're there. Um, I'll, of course, be at the fishing theater, but it just sounds like you've got a lot to bring. A couple last comments before we let you go.
1: Yeah, I'm just excited for, you know, the Expo to be back in town after a pause. And I think that, you know, a lot of people go to the Expo, obviously, for the incredible hunting and fishing content and connections and gear. And I think all of it ties together, right? Sometimes you want to go camp to find the best fishing or hunting spot. And so come on over, send your family over, um, you know, just kind of expand your outdoor appetite here in Colorado. and We'll have plenty plenty to share we'll have some giveaways some fun stuff going on so i hope that we'll see you all at the campfire theater
0: all right that sounds fantastic and i want to thank you for joining us and we'll see you at the show in just a few weeks sounds good thank you thank you that's dahlia uh, singer uh she could be hosting the campfire theater tremendous tremendous opportunity to get on there you know we we try to cover the outdoors and a lot of different aspects here on the show not just hunting and fishing and I'll admit that's kind of our focus but we try to expand into the other areas because we want to be all encompassing. We're really evangelistic about getting people outdoors and this theater is going to get people outdoors and you're just going to love it once you get out there. We're going to take a timeout, we come back, we're going to take you to one of Colorado state parks and find out what's going on there in the next couple weeks on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 the Fan. Mm-hmm. On 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, no matter what you do, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, uh, even if you just need great outdoor clothing or grilling, Stop by a jack store near you and check it out. You're going to be very pleasantly surprised. You will become a regular shopper. Let's go to the phones. One of our favorite people from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is joining us, Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well, but before we start, I forgot I got something I want to do. Um, what? We, we, were t- we, we were talking last segment to Dahlia Singer, folks. And she's running one of the theaters at ISE. There's three theaters at ISE. There's the Adventure Theater, which is hunting and fly fishing. There's the Fishing Theater, which Karen and I host, which is conventional fishing. There's a third theater, which Dahlia hosts on other types of activities. The first one to text the name of that theater to Karen at 303 713 1043 um, I'm going to give them two tickets to the International Sportsman's Exposition. We'll have we'll have her put them in. We'll call for you. All right. Uh, sorry about that, Michelle. I just wanted to make sure that we get people. I know you'll you'll be coming by SC I know. that's awesome. So, well, it's just, yeah. You, you, I know Parks will be there. You'll be there. Will you be there?
3: I will be there. I'll have a booth there, and I'm also working the booth for uh, Pheasants Forever as well. You're just
0: a multifaceted lady, aren't you?
3: Uh, well, I try.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you do a great job. Your enthusiasm and your promotion of your park are always so impressive. And, we're, of course, we're talking to Michelle Siebert. She's from uh, Bar Lake State Park. And there's no reason and nothing to do there. So we'll see ya, Michelle.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you have a great Why don't you tell, for in case people don't know, describe the park and where it's at.
3: Sure. So we're located in Brighton, Colorado, which is just 25 minutes east of Denver. So we're a quick day trip. Bar-, Bar Lake has a lot of things to offer. We have a wonderful nature center with lots of exhibits and programs. We have a trail that goes all the way around the lake. It's 8.8 miles. We ca- we call it the Flat 14er. We have um, fishing. We have an archery range. And what's really exciting about our archery range is we just put in um, a stand where you can shoot from up higher, and it's, it's awesome. And then um, we have hunting. We have waterfowl and dove. And soon, on April 1st, our boat ramp will open. So we'll be able to have boats, um, 10 horsepower and under. So we're great for fishing boats, um, canoes, kayaks, paddle boats.
0: All right, well, let's talk a little bit about some of these activities. Eventually, I want to get back to the fishing and the boat opening because I think you're going to offer some really great opportunities. But the archery range, you have a static range that's open pretty much all the time. But the 3D range, uh, I'm such a huge believer in 3D ranges because they give you different perspectives for your shot. You actually see how the arrow would have entered an animal from that angle not only did you hit the spot which can make all the difference in the world and you shoot from different positions and heights it really sharpens you as a hunter describe the 3d range a little more to people
3: yeah so we have 10 stations and all 10 stations will be open mid-march and you can walk and shoot to all the stations we have an elk we have a stegosaurus an alligator a deer a carp So it's all in different um, levels, and it goes down in the ravine and then up on top. So it's just a great opportunity to shoot, you know, just not at a static range.
0: Right, and you do have the static or standing range also, and people can go there and, and shoot there. But it's just, and that's open all the time. Now, is there any charge for either of these ranges other than the park entrance?
3: No, it's absolutely free. So just your park entrance to get in, and then the range is free.
0: All right, now I want to talk. Well, first of all, another thing you're really famous for is your birding, because half the lake is actually a, a game sanctuary and it's full of birds. In fact, you were telling me earlier this week you have two nesting pairs of eagles there right now.
3: We do. So, you know, we um, are known for birding. We call Bar Lake the bed and breakfast for birds. Um, we've had over 371 different bird species sighted here, and we've had nesting bald eagles since 1986. And so we do have two eagles nests this year. Um, One is on the southern side and one is on the west side. So be sure to stop by the nature center and we can help direct you um, where you can see those um, while we're still protecting them. We don't want to disturb them, but we'll be able to show you a safe um, way to view them.
0: Yeah. And how many eagles at one time have you seen in the park?
3: Um, You know, this year we haven't seen as many because we didn't have a lot of open water because they like to fish. But the most we've seen in one day, um, two years ago, was 110.
0: Wow. You know, it's amazing <laughs> where eagles have come. They were once endangered and threatened. They're still on the protected list. <clears throat> but eagles have become almost common, but you never get over the beauty and wonder of watching that magnificent bird fly and fish and just interacting with it. It's just fantastic. Now I want to talk to you about the boating and fishing opportunities. Your boat ramps will open April 1st and you'll have ANS inspectors there. Will non-trailered boats have access before that, or is you going to leave that wait until you're sure there's ice free and open it all at once?
3: If the ice goes off, we will open it to um, to not-trailered boats, untrailered boats, so canoes and kayaks. So as soon as the ice comes off and we can get the buoys out there um, and the dock out, we'll be able to open it up. So it might be open up earlier um, than April 1st, but April 1st, trailered vessels can come in.
0: All right. And it's a great lake to, to do kayaks and canoes because a 10-horsepower limit um, – Keeps the wakes down so you're not fighting uh, big surfboarding wakes and those type of things. Uh, and still, people with big boats, as long as they have a kicker or use their electric, can go out there and fish, right?
3: That is true. So you just can't use your big motor. We just ask that you keep it up out of the water and then um, you can be on the lake.
0: Right. Now, the fishing there, you have quite a number of species in that lake. Tell us what you see being caught there at a typical season.
3: Yeah, so um, May and June are probably our best months for, for walleye, but we have trout, we have um, bass, we have um, carp, um, yeah, so and, and wiper, the wiper, they'll give you a run for your money. So we have lots of different species and opportunities where you can fish from shore or you can fish from a boat, and we have an ADA accessible fishing pier that was recently built. So, you know, we really have um, opportunities for everybody.
0: And I would think that, first of all, you can tell us the water levels are probably coming up with the recent warm weather we've had. I would think you're not too far away from seeing some of that ice recede from shore where there will be shore fishing opportunities. Is that what you're seeing?
3: Yeah, so we are filling. the water is coming in quite fast now. And then um, so we are seeing some open water near the boat ramp just along the shore. So. Um, we'll see what this, this weather this weekend does, but we are seeing some open water. And of
0: course you're going to, you get stocked in the spring with trout. Are you going to be stocked recent in the near future?
3: You know, our fish hatchery truck's going to be here on Monday. So, um, that'll be our first stocking of the year.
0: Wow. That might be a good time to go out and fish that open water area by the boat ramp. It might. Uh, uh, Yeah. Usually they hang around there and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, people think we don't want them to know where, your stocking but there's a stocking report that comes out every week and you can they tell you they want you to go catch those fish
3: michelle we're going to let okay. you go any last comments um no just um come out to bar lake and we have lots of activities that you can go to our website or our facebook book, um facebook to sign up
0: all right thank you that's michelle Siebert from bar lake do we have a winner on we don't have a winner yet on the uh, ISE tickets all right, so somebody, ISE tickets, we mentioned three theaters in our first segment today. We mentioned the Adventure theater, and we mentioned the fishing theater. There's a third theater that our first guest was the host of that has at ISE. And it has something to do with something you sit around and kind of sparks and crackles. So think about that. First person to text, you get two free tickets to the International Sportsman's Exposition. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back with more outdoors on Terry Wixham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go to Jason Clay from Parks and Wildlife here in just a second. But before I do that, um, <clears throat> on Sundays at ISC, we're talking a lot about ISC, which this year, so in last year, there wasn't one because of COVID. This year, it's been moved ahead to March 24th through the 27th. On that Sunday, we like to, at the fishing theater, we like to really promote getting kids and families and anybody that hasn't fished before into fishing. So we call that our family fishing day. Um, and we like to have some giveaways. I wanted to say that uh, our local company, who's a giant in the fishing industry, Eagle Claw Wright McGill, has stepped up and donated 50 rods that we're going to be giving away on that Sunday to kids. So I want to say kudos to them. And, you know, think about what they mean to this community. Next time you're in a store buying some tackle and you have a chance to buy Eagle Claw, Wright McGill, remember what they do for the community right here in Colorado. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Jason Clay. Good morning, Jason. Hello? Hello? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, good morning. There you are. Um, You know, Jason, we have, I would say, a very robust bear population in Colorado. And due to that, we have a fair number of bear encounters. And every year we kind of talk about how to avoid them, what to do if they happen. Um, But before we even get into the do's and don'ts, Um, the news is actually a little better. We've been preaching to people all these years, hopefully that is set in. And then we had some favorable weather. So actually the encounter numbers have
2: been down. You were telling me, is that right? Yeah, correct. So we continually monitor and track the number of reports that come in regarding sightings and conflicts with theirs. And for 2021, we had about a 28 decrease. And those number of reports than what we received over the average of the two previous years. So it was good to see that year being down, and, and there's probably some Mother Nature factors that come into play with that, though. No?
0: Well, obviously, you know, hopefully people are learning and practicing the right things, and we're going to talk about that. But also, we need conditions. I mean, animals are going to do what they need to to survive. So you were telling me in those years when we had a 28% decrease in bear encounters, we also had wetter weather and a lot of natural foods. I think a lot of people think of bears as eating, you know, deer and meat and things like that. But they really are, um, they eat a lot of uh, plants too, don't they?
2: Yeah, about 90% of a bears diet is kind of that natural forage of grasses, berries, fruits, nuts, and plants. Um, you know all native crops that are dependent on moisture and for the majority of the state really kind of minus the the northwest part of Colorado uh, we had great moisture that comes in and you know that moisture is really critical in order to make the bears and the acorns pop. Do we know about how many bears there are in Colorado? Yeah we estimate we have between 17 to 20,000 bears in Colorado and um, for those who aren't as familiar, we only have one species of bear in Colorado, and that's a black bear. Um, but Colorado's black bears can have different colorations; they can be black, of course, brown, blonde, and, and cinnamon in color
0: too. Now, as people have been getting out more, obviously we're gonna. There's a potential for more encounters on the trail or in in the wilderness, and then as growth develops. Uh, development goes more and more into what might be normal bear habitat. And then when bears get pushed, they come more and more into human places uh, because anything that gives them food, they're very good at smelling and, and locating food, and then they become habituated to it. So tell us what we shouldn't do. First, let's start with our homes. What do we need to do to make sure we don't attract bears?
2: Yeah, so take a look around your home and and figure out what could have a scent or what may attract a bear, anything that could have calories. It could be a simple step is, you know, you leave pet food outside, um, you know, that can lure a bear in. A common problem is bird feeders of of all types, including hummingbird feeders. That is easy calories that bears learn to get their rewards from. Um, trash is the most obvious one. About one third of all bear reports that we get involve trash an attractant. So taking a simple step of not putting your trash out to the curb until the morning of collection instead of the night before making sure you keep your trash in the secure enclosure, like your garage or a shed, if you may have it. And if you don't have one of those, you know, maybe you should invest in a bear, bear resistant trash container to help to keep that bear from getting a reward because when they come around our homes in our neighborhoods and get rewards, Bears are extremely smart. They're gonna remember where they can get those calories that they need and they're gonna come back and be a guaranteed when they get below them, they'll come back in some time.
0: Well, I tell you what, when bears realize they can find trash, they can smell it from miles away too. When bears find out that they can get food, whether it's trash, stuff left on a barbecue, the bird feeders you talked about, dog food, um they do want to come back and anybody who's ever had a bear get into their car or into their home doesn't ever want it to happen again, do they?
2: No, I mean, when they get into the car, completely the inside, um, will trash out. Bears are smart. They can open car door handles. So it's very important that you lock your car for many other reasons as well. Uh, but when they get in, they can't really get out on their own. So that's when a lot of the damage occurs and, unwelcome presence that, that come with that and if bear gets into your home, that's an extremely dangerous situation for your staff now, and for that bear too. Let's talk about, I've, I've
0: thought I've done everything right, but I have a bear that's coming to my home. What should I do? Do I yell at it? Do I just come in the house so I don't get involved? Do I call parks and wildlife? What's my course of action?
2: Yeah. Kind of all of the above that you mentioned there. Um, you should take an active approach to try to haze that bear away and do it in a manner that you are comfortable and safe with. So that could include staying in your home and maybe you set off the panic button on your car alarm to try to get that bear to go away. You can bang pots and pans together from inside your home. Maybe you buy an air horn that you could blow at it. Um, There's other steps that you can take, you know, outside your home. And uh, the biggest thing really is to, you know, if you have bear problems, conflicts that are occurring to give Colorado parks and wildlife a call. Uh, we have op- wildlife officers across the state. They can come out and they can make site visits with you. They can talk to you about maybe some of these hazing tactics to try to get a bear to move away. They could identify potential attractants around your, your home or your property and things that you can do to mitigate conflicts. So the earlier that we, uh, learn about bear conflicts, um, you know, the greater chance you have of changing that bear's behavior once they've been rewarded so many times, you know, they play this risk-reward game, and and sometimes they'll take greater risk when they know that there's a great reward for calories that they can get. So be active and give us a call early on when conflicts first happen. Now, I want to just, we only have a couple minutes left, but I
0: want to finish up with um, in the outdoors, if you're hiking, camping, um, whatever outdoor activity you're doing, fishing, Bear attacks are actually quite rare, especially black bear attacks, but they can happen. Well, what do I do? I'm walking on a trail or I'm fishing and and there's a black bear. All of a sudden I see it or it's too close. How do I react? What do I do?
2: Yeah, so starting out, it's always good to go with a buddy so you're not on your own. And a lot of times if you make noise as you're out hiking, um, you know, that bear will detect you before you even encounter it. So uh, making noise and not having your earbuds in is important. Uh, maybe <laughs> avoid any running. But should you encounter a, a bear, you need to just remain calm. Uh, don't ever run from that bear. Uh, you can stand still and, and talk to that bear in, in a calm voice. Um, let it know. It'll maybe, probably take some time to identify what's going on. Most of the time, they'll, they'll go away on, on its own. Um, If it doesn't, it could be a case where maybe it's got cubs around or it's still trying to identify you. You should back away slowly. Again, don't ever run. Uh, Give that bear an escape route um, and try to get yourself out of that area. And like you said, in the very rare instance, if a bear does attack, um, you need to to fight back with everything that you got uh, against that bear. But those are extremely rare, and there's a lot of things that you can do in advance to try to avoid you know, getting yourself in that situation. Jason, tons of great
0: information there. Is there more information on the CPW website people can go to?
2: Yeah, on our website, we have a whole section on living with wildlife that helps you uh, with a very different, various different species of ways you can mitigate conflicts with them, including bears. We have loads of information on bear proofing your home, what to do if you're camping and hiking in bear country, um, and just living with bears in general. So we encourage people to get online and, and find some of those educational resources we have for them. All right. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Great
0: information. I know we cover this every year. I'm so glad to see we're making headway. Um, we love to see the bears, and we do it from a safe distance. or part of being outdoors in Colorado, but we do have a very robust population, and we do need to take into consideration what those interactions can lead to. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you, Terry. Thank you.
0: That Jason Clay from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. By the way, I kind of remember some of the things we talked about because later on in the show, I might give away some more IIC tickets based on this. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear and 104.3 The Fan. You're just a tear up in my eyes Each night I cry myself to sleep You're just a memory of a love I somehow couldn't keep. You're an empty a, of things. The a 104.3 fan at Teardrop My Eyes is actually a, a song from the latest release of Wickstrom and Dobreth, our musical group that you can find on your local streaming, along with our other releases. You know, I may use that in an ISE giveaway ticket here later in the show, too. We got lots of things. I think about the bear thing, too. Hey, let's go to the phones. Joining us from Brad Peterson Outdoors is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Um, You know, that was great information about the bears. They are coming out now, coming out of hibernation. So that was a really good segment. I like when we come on. People are learning, Brad. You know, they're getting, they're starting to understand. As we get more and more people outdoors, they're starting to, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of new people outdoors, a lot of people moving into territories where other people live. And I think they're really starting to understand their interaction with wildlife.
4: Oh, that's, that's very true. And, and, you know, your first segment talking about the alternative to tent camping kind of plays into that as well, as far as, you know, getting people who maybe are new to the outdoors out there experiencing stuff, but maybe not having to go all the way to the tent and, you know, learning about the wildlife and, all that stuff. I know as you've been talking all day, it's, if you want to learn more about it, one of the best opportunities coming up is the ISE show at the end of the month. Yeah.
0: And you know, I, we ran out of time with Jason, but we didn't talk about how to store stuff when you're camping and what the bears do seasonally. So I'm going to have to get Jason back on and kind of go over that a little bit more. So people really understand it. it is important, but let's talk some fishing. Um, I know you've been out checking places. I've been out checking places. I know we're headed for some colder weather this week, but we had some real warm weather. The sun, when it's at this high angle, even when it's only like 30 degrees, doesn't help the ice any. Um, I have personally decided I'm done ice fishing. We're going to talk ice fishing the next segment with Nate, and there's still going to be opportunities. But I'm going to start getting ready for open water. I just think the ice down in the front range is getting a little shaky. What are you seeing out there?
4: I, I completely agree with you, Terry. Now, I've only looked kind of the northern front range, you know, Longmont up north, so I can't speak about the Denver metro area. But uh, this area up here, I was by St. Brain, you know, just earlier today, and Sandpiper is about a third open, and Blue Heron's completely frozen still, but the ice has that real cloudy look. doesn't look to have much real good structure to it. So even though we're going to get this colder temperatures, if anyone's even thinking about going out, you need to think, <clears throat> treat it as as though it's brand new ice conditions, and be extremely oh, I... cautious. But I'm I'm putting all my stuff away and you know uh, spooling up my my open water reels and kind of organizing tackle and doing that for this uh, cool temperatures this week.
0: Yeah, I I think that up in the mountains, obviously, there's still going to be a good solid month or more of ice fishing opportunities, and we will talk about those later in the show and in the upcoming weeks because it is great and and can be some of the best ice fishing of the year. Another thing down here, as we get this ice changing, refreezing, a lot of times it can be safe, uh, but it's so difficult to tell because early on in the year when you're Testing the ice, and we talk about using a spud bar or drilling a hole and measuring it and give guidelines kind of. Those guidelines say this many inches supports this, but that's good, hard, clear ice. The ice you're encountering this time of the year, a lot of the time, as you mentioned, it's that cloudy, honeycombed ice, and it can be structurally so weak that you're thinking you're on several inches of ice, but really there's almost nothing supporting your weight. And if there's a spring or a flow underneath or a little bit of snow adding weight to an area it can get dangerous in a hurry
4: yeah it absolutely can you know and and the other thing is you were talking about with the the higher sun angle and the the warmer solar heat is you you might be able to find a spot that has you know ice that you can go out on first thing in the morning by eight thirty, your path back may have gone bad you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, it's, it's not uncommon for the ice to go bad that quick. So I would I'd tell people if they really have the inkling to get ice fishing, you know, you don't have to go that far. If you're down in the Denver area, you can go up to Evergreen or, you know, some of those lakes like that. If you're up north here, Red Feathers isn't that far away. Just go up in the hills a little bit, and you're not going to be worrying about those conditions for a, at least a few more leaps to where you well, have to really be as concerned about the ice.
0: Well, and you mentioned some of the ponds at St. Foraim are, there's a lot of open water. I took a trip yesterday. I drove by Lawn Hagler. It was capped, but the ice didn't look good. There was one person out on it. Um, but I went by Carter and Flatiron, and both of those had fishable water from shore. And there were a number of anglers actually out there fishing. And that this shore fishing, this time of the year, as this ice does start to recede, can be some of the best trout fishing in the year and opportunities for walleyes, Brad.
4: Oh, it, it absolutely can. And for the, the people out looking for trout, I know they were talking about, you know, Bar lake's going to be getting stocked here soon. But what you've got is a lot of these lakes, you've got the holdover trout that were stocked last fall at, you know, that 10 to 12 inch range. And trout love cold weather, so they're adding inches and in weight to them over the winter. So you, a lot of times, this is, for the front range, some of the bigger trout you're going to find, you know. You might find some 14-, 16-inch trout in these various ponds or lakes. I, I talked to a few people that fish Carter, you know, and they got into some fish up to 18-, 19-inches trout. And wow. then, as you say is... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, as as the water warms... Just a little bit, we're going to start seeing the walleyes moving up to spawn, so that's a little bit more of an evening, low-light, you know, nighttime, early morning bite, but that's another opportunity for shore anglers to get in and catch some fish that are, you know, they're fun to catch, and maybe they're not accessible to shore anglers year-round, but, man, for the next couple months, um, you can have, a lot of times the shore anglers actually have better success chasing walleyes during the spawn than the people do out in the boats all right now that brings up a great point because i actually had
0: a listener text in last week that they they live by carter they have had trouble fishing it from shore they mentioned winter but let's talk about going forward we can cover getting into winter next fall what i'm going to do over the next few weeks for that listener is take some of these lakes and do shore fishing tactics if you were going to go to carter and i drove by it's 75% open right now from shore, how would you approach it? What would you look for and what presentations would you use? Let's stick with trout for today.
4: You know, trout, I'm going to look for any spot that either has flowing water in it or, you know, areas on that are a little bit shallower and are going to warm up. And the reason for that is, is that's going to have bug life starting earlier. And so that's going to bring the bait fish in and kind of bring that whole life cycle in. So that's where I'm going to be looking to go, not an area that's, that's covered in shade most of the day, but a place that's getting good sun exposure. And then the presentations I'm going to use, uh, there's probably three that I would be using. The first is going to be a jig, whether it's a hair jig or a jig and a, a twister or something like that, either really slow on a twister, a slow straight retrieve, or... Uh, bouncing it off the bottom and letting it sit there for a bit so the fish can come up to them. The second is going to be some sort of a suspending jerk bait, whether that's like a, uh, a Rapala husky jerk or, um, you know, one of the rip stops. One of those that's, you can reel and then stop and it's just going to hang there in the water column. That, those two are going to be my two artificial presentations. My third one, especially on a day like today where you've got a little bit of a cold front load and you want to slow stuff down, I'm actually going to use either some sort of a bait or maybe even a small ice fishing jig uh, with a small plastic below a float. And that's nice because you're able to really adjust that depth and dial in what depth those fish are kind of working that day. So those would be kind of my three, three main presentations I'd be using for trout up at Carter right now.
0: We are out of time, Brad. If people want to get a hold of you or more information, how do they do that?
4: Uh, The best way is to look me up online on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or they can
2: give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Brad. Thanks,
0: Terry. We're going to take a quick time out, but before we do... Before we do, we're going to go back to a couple segments ago, and I hope you were paying attention about the bears. Whoever texts three zero three seven one three one zero four three 713 1043 and tells, me, tells Karen one of the three main things that attract bears to your home, three main things, and you just need one of them, we're going to put in, we'll call two tickets to the ISE show for you. So three zero three seven one three one zero four three. what are one of the three main things that attract bears. We're gonna take a time out and we come back. Somebody who knows a lot about bears, he knows about mountain lions, elk, deer, and a lot about fishing too. Mr. Nate Zelensky will join us on 1043 the fan.